Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to the most extreme menage trois violence you'll ever experience here on the Extreme Three Way Dance. I am JT, and joining me as always are my very violent partners, Jenny and Matt. How are you guys doing? Feeling violent as shit, ready mm-hmm. to get hardcore. Mm-hmm. Uh, in heaven, apparently. Mm. Not us, Maddie. Well, that's true. <laughs> We're gonna that wrap, wrap ourselves in barbed wire and Do roll it. on. Right. It's a big night. It's pay-per-view night. It's only our second ever ECW pay-per-view. Hardcore Heaven, 1997. We've talked about the build. It's been a little shaky, uh, for sure. It's um, The card has changed a bunch, but it is their second ever. So there is some excitement. It's taking place in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at the War Memorial Auditorium on August 17th, 1997. They drew 1,800. Interesting location choice. I don't think we've talked too much about this, but... Mm-hmm. Um, like Florida's kind of been a second home for them like in the early days that there was, and if you think back, Jenny, I feel like Florida was like the first kind of place they ventured out really mm-hmm. outside of Philly. And I guess New York, it was like maybe early 95. They were there. It was like the early Raven days. Yes, definitely. So I think this is kind of a spot for them, but you would think they'd get a little more established on pay-per-view before traveling for it. Like I thought for sure they'd run the first couple in Philly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if they catch on, you get into 98, you start to travel a bit. So I was pretty surprised that they have the second one out here. Uh, I don't know the, you know, venue size versus ECW arena. Like maybe they figure they could draw a little bit more. So they get 1800 here. I don't know what the ECW arena holds. Let's see. 1300 is the capacity modern time. So, um, yeah, I maybe assumed... they, they could, they could pack a little bit, a few more people in. <laughs> I assumed Paulie got a good deal in Florida. <laughs> also how possible. That happened. Yeah. Um, I, it I is weird because you look at like some of these matches, especially like the Lawler Dreamer match. Like, imagine that fucking reaction in Philly. What? What? Right. Yeah. You know. I I think this is gonna hit on a huge problem that I have with the show. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like they should have went one more time in, in Philly. Yeah. I think they should have done the ECW Arena again for this one. Or, or, or Northeast. Like, go to Queens. Right? right. Go to the Elks Lodge. Or, you know, wherever. Like, go somewhere where you know you got the Northeast stronghold right now. Before. Webster. Go to yeah, the, Greyhound, um, the Greyhound Park. That's <laughs> a, a little small, maybe. The Greyhound <laughs> Wonderland Park. But I would have done I would have done one of the New York spots, Philly or Philly, and just played it safe. But... Um, I mean, I doubt the ECW Arena was booked, maybe, I guess. They, did, they usually don't do back-to-back weekends, so maybe because they had a show booked the weekend before. I don't know. But um, anyway, we'll also see the interesting thing is a little less pressure on them, right? They're a little more experienced from, from barely legal, so that extreme pressure they had to make it work mm-hmm. is probably lessened a little bit now that they kind of just have the deal and they're moving along. So we'll see if that plays in. Joey's in the ring while well, it's into the War Memorial. The video quality, again, looks pretty sharp, but it was more dimly lit. Like, it felt a little more ECW. Light. I remember one thing we talked about, very legal, was like it was more lit up and felt uh, a little, you know, glossier. Mm-hmm. This felt a little bit more in the ECW realm. Like, it's very dark in the arena. But it also made it feel almost not, I don't know. There's, there's something about the way it all presents. Like, it's a little dark. But it's also the the miking is kind of weird. Like I don't know if it's not as tight of a building as the arena. So I thought all through the night, like you don't get the feel of the crowd being on top of the ring, like in the ECW arena. So like it felt more set back and not as intense throughout it. Yes, and there are lots of guys in suits milling around <laughs> constantly throughout the whole thing, and it really mm. I don't know. I don't like that. Like, mm-mm. there's just too many people. Like, it's too busy all the time right. in the back. I don't know. It, it's a weird mix of, like, being uh, more grimy, but also more, like, proper at the same yes. point. It's, it's yes. fucking weird. It is weird. Like, like it's a good sign for them, these things. But mm-hmm. it's it takes away for me overall. All right, Joey starts to run down the card. Uh, out comes a smirking Rick Rude to interrupt. The crowd chants, you sold out. Joey says, even the broken back, he knows Rude could snap his neck. But Rude did turn his back on ECW at Heat Wave and also hired himself out to a male boy toy dancer at another organization. So the mic is Rude's, and Joey wants no part of interviewing him. Joey leaves. Rude says he doesn't give a crap what he thinks. Rude tells the fat, out-of-shape Lauderdale losers to shut up. Drinks and trash are flying in the ring. Really good heat on Rude. He brings out Candido, but Todd Gordon and security are out as well. Gordon said Rude used his lucrative ECW contract and then hired himself outside the company as well. What Rude does outside of ECW is Rude's business, but ECW is Todd Gordon's business. Rude is not a licensed manager, and he has 10 seconds to lead the ring or Candido will lose. Rude says a couple months ago he was being a nice guy, and they let him do whatever he wanted. But now he's being himself. They want to jerk his chain. Gordon just ignores him and starts to count. Rude and Candido start to freak out, and Rude leaves. So I, I didn't know if this was it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it felt like maybe this was the end of Rude. Have him show up and close out the storyline, you know, better than him just vanishing when he showed up and started working for WWF. Uh, so we'll see if this is it. If it is, it's been, a, been quite the run he's had here. Uh, the story feels told, I guess, if, if this is it. Of course, this is around the time he started managing uh, what would become DX. He showed up as the mystery insurance policy for Shawn Michaels on Raw, helped him beat Mankind in a match, and then would end up being DX's manager until Survivor Series. So this is the beginning of that run. 
We know ECW and WWF do have a working relationship, very obviously. So maybe Rude will pull some double duty. We'll see. But if this was it, it felt like a, a pretty fitting closure, Matt. Yeah, I I think he had already showed up on Raw by this Oh, he point. definitely had. Yeah, he right. definitely had. Right, so I, I think, uh, you know, maybe this is, in fact, it for him. So, I mean, he did get you sold out, Chance. So, usually when you usually when you hear that in ECW, that's when you know somebody's <laughs> not long for this world. So, I would imagine if this isn't it, it's going to be coming very soon. And, look, I was pretty hard on Rude at the beginning as, the, you know, for not expect, not knowing what to expect out of him because he was going to be doing commentary with Joey. But, I mean, he's been great. He's been – he was able to fit in with Joey and not overtake Joey, which is which was my fear when he first came in. So, yeah, he's been, uh, he's been a really great addition to ECW for sure. Yes, um, the you sold out chance for my first clue, and then Todd Gordon coming out randomly was my <laughs> second clue. Oh, this is probably over with. It's a little bit anticlimactic, but also he goes in, goes out like on top. Like he nailed it. He nailed all the commentary, the turn. I mean, it was perfectly done, and I I cannot say. <laughs> Any more great things about what he's added to ECW? I thought he was fantastic. All right. So we'll see if that's it or if he's back again. We get our opening video package and then we head into our opening match. And that is Taz taking on Chris Candido. Big time opener. A lot of hype. ECW's hottest star out of the gate. Taz comes out to a pop. He's locked in. Taz stands stoically in the corner as Candido tries to bait him and then spits at him. Candido controls early with a quick flurry of strikes, but Taz counters a leapfrog with a punt to the nuts, followed by a pump handle suplex to send Candido bailing out. Candido comes back and charges and runs into a judo throw. Taz takes him down and grinds, but they trade some holes on the mat, including a cross arm breaker from Taz. Candido gets the rope break, comes back with a power bomb, and mocks Taz's stance. Joe reminds us that Flash Funk and Dean Malenko broke Taz's neck in this building two years ago, and Candido broke his neck a year ago at MSG. Taz comes slugging back, but Candido goes to the eyes. However, Taz gets a bridging Northern Lights for two. Candido catches him with an enziguri and leg drop to the back of the head as Candido keeps going in on the neck. Taz tries to wriggle free as Candido grounds and pounds and goes low. Candido gets a vertical suplex, keeps smacking Taz around. Taz counters with a charge and a back with a backdrop to the floor. But outside, Candido shoots Taz into the railing. Back inside, Candido gets a top rope rana and top rope headbutt for two. Taz ducks a lariat and hits his own and then ducks an enziguri and twists into a bow and arrow with a choke. Candido works free, hits a powerbomb for two, pulls Taz to the top for the blonde bombshell, but Taz counters with a super belly-to-belly that looked awesome. Taz ducks a leapfrog and hits a released German with a T-bone that just crushes Candido's neck. Candido reverses a whip into a power slam and puts Taz on the top rope, but he turns to do the triple threat sign, and Taz gives a signal behind him and hooks the Taz mission and grinds Candido to the mat to force him to tap out in a really cool-looking finish. Uh, A really rock-solid match that made Candido look great. He had Taz reeling for most of the match. I don't think it was the classic that it maybe had the potential to have, uh, but it was still well-worked bell-to-bell. Hard-hitting offense and good mat transitions. Taz reigns. Candido builds respect. Uh, Jenny went three and a quarter. And I'm starting to wonder, is Taz just a better spectacle squash worker? Because I feel like his big matches have yet to really deliver for us. And all his best stuff is when he's just like murdering guys. So I'm curious if that holds up or is it just kind of like, for whatever reason, these, these couple, like, you know, I don't think any of us are super high on the Sabu matches. Mm-hmm. And then 
this one was like very good, but not great. And Candido's been red hot. So I don't know. What do you think? It's interesting that you ask that because a lot of my notes in this are like, this is like a weird low energy and like, and Taz is more of like a meat and potatoes wrestler is what I called it because it's like, it's solid, it's solid, but there's no spice to it. He can spice it up in promos and that's, he has an interesting mix of where his good, solid, interesting promo stuff doesn't necessarily translate in the ring in that same way because he he is awesome at what he does but there's no frills to it there's no little things that i look at in the ring from him he's just he's going from one spot to the next like you can see him set up and he's waiting for candido and he's waiting for candido he's not like i don't know he's not doing a lot of the other little things that other wrestlers do um but he can throw your ass like nobody's business you know which a lot of wrestlers cannot do so it's more of like leaning into what he does well and these longer matches is not what he does well um he he gets gas a little bit like he just just getting from one great spot to the next seems to take i think i think him having to sell too you know like kind of hurts it because he is positioned as such a machine and then he gets in these matches and all of a sudden like okay taz is selling for 10 minutes you know what i mean so it's like right yeah it's not his strong suit for sure and so i did do the three and one quarter but it felt more like a disappointing three and one quarter instead of a like rewarding um because i don't know they're both so damn good and and maybe this is when i start to notice that the venue isn't as great as i thought it was gonna be because it had that weird detachment to it that I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it's. I had the same note as you, Jenny. I, I went three and a quarter on this too, but I, I had it as a disappointing three and a quarter. Like, I, I almost feel like, you know, and we've seen how heated this feud has been with, you know, Candido mocking Taz and Candido using Taz's own Taz mission on him. But I felt like this didn't feel like enough of a fight. Like, it just felt kind of like a wrestling match, which is fine, but I feel like the feud before it kind of called for it to be more of a fight where they're just they're throwing bombs, they're brawling around the ring and stuff like that. So I, I found that a little bit disappointing, but I, I do think what they did in the match was really good. I, I think these guys do have pretty good chemistry with one another, and I, I just love seeing Taz throw fools around the ring, so I'll always pop for that. Uh, and I really liked the finish where, you know, Candido, even though it did come out of Nowhere, the finish I thought, where Candido just can't help himself and play to the crowd and be cocky, and then it cost him because he gets caught by the Taz, Taz mission and he taps right away. So I, I thought that was a really good finish. But yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. It the match was definitely missing something, and it's weird to say that a three and a quarter star match is mm-hmm. disappointing. But mm-hmm. again, it's similar to the Sabu things. I think yep. I went like three and a half on both of those, and I thought those were disappointing. So I don't know necessarily what it is with Taz that makes Makes these, you know, bigger matches of his just miss a little bit. But I, I think if he wants to take the next level and be like the guy for ECW, he needs to kind of figure that out because mm-hmm. every match, both matches he has had on pay-per-view while still being good were kind of disappointing. So right. three and a quarter for me. All right, Joey's in the nest. He thanks the fans for the support to get him here. And we reveal we have our third pay-per-view. 
1997 coming on November 30th, November to Remember, our annual show. This year will be on pay-per-view. It'll be live from the Golden Dome in Pittsburgh. So we're headed <laughs> nice. back. Uh, to me, that makes a little more sense. Like, that's at least, you know, right. in the area, right? So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, he says it's worth being here live because things can happen even before the show starts. We see earlier tonight and St. Clown Posse performed before the show, and things did not go to plan. So we go earlier in the night. ICP is in the ring hyping up the crowd. Rob Van Dam and Fonzie came out. ICP were hyped to see them, but RVD attacks and kicks a shot of both of them. Sabu comes out and joins in the fun as well. Pretty good beatdown, and ICP takes some stiff offense. Uh, I like Sabu in the suit. They look sharp. <laughs> we don't usually see that. Uh, so, Jenny, what do you think of ICP making their ECW debuts here? It was pretty hot. I enjoyed it. Like, it's weird. They're weird. It's fine. They They totally mix with our crowd here our wrestlers our style they're i don't know i'm in i'm into it yeah you know i i kind of wondered on the the last episode uh why joey just randomly mentioned icp (laughs) out of nowhere and now it makes perfect sense because they're gonna do a concert before they go on the air yeah i mean icp is a perfect fit for ecw they're all about that you know they have that angst vibe and all that shit so i i think icp is uh perfect for ecw and they're massive wrestling fans so that always helps too and uh they got the shit kicked out of them so it looked like they had fun though oh yeah absolutely but uh and yes i also made note that uh sabu in a suit was a choice (laughs) and a very good one it's good uh icp will make the rounds for sure the wrestling scene Mm -hmm. i I don't think we're done seeing them here of course by 98 they're in dota f for a bit and then Mm -hmm. I don't say full time, but kind of with WCW, like they're there for a while. So, mm-hmm. all right, back to the ring we go for our big rematch from TV recently. As Spike Dudley has to def- uh, challenge or take on, I should say, Bam Bam Bigelow, who's looking for revenge for the upset win. Spike stomps out. Joey recaps his journey. Bigelow's in, ready for revenge for the embarrassment on TV. Joey reminds us that Bigelow is at the lowest weight of his career. Spike attacks at the bell. Bigelow stops with a headbutt and sends him flying through the air. Bigelow asks the crowd again where to throw Spike, but Joey says he took Spike too lightly last time. Spike tries to pull himself up, but Bigelow slugs him back down. Spike hits a swinging bulldog and a low drop kick and goes up top for Rana, but Bigelow catches him and just murders him with a snap powerbomb. Bammers presses Spike up, and this time, press slams him hard to the floor. Spike comes back in the ring bloodied. Bigelow picks him up again, and this time throws him into the crowd with the press slam. The crowd helps him up. Bigelow goes over, drags him back to the ring, hits a sit-out reverse powerbomb, and finishes with a moonsault. Squash shitty, baby. Uh, A great beatdown. Perfect payoff to the upset, and a pissed-off Bigelow just destroying this guy in pay-per-view is a nice jump-off point. You know, I talked about being disappointed in the way they had him lose on TV, but this at least felt to me like, all right, you know, this felt like a retribution point on pay-per-view. He destroys the guy, throws him in the crowd. Uh, I thought it was a good, vengeful, angry assault. Uh, pretty much in line with the last match in ring-wise, except for the ending. So two and a half for me, Matt, but entertaining. Uh, so as a match, this is probably worth two and a half. Uh, but I went three on this for the <laughs> for the murder death kill finish that Bam Bam Bigelow does on Spike Dudley, where he throws this motherfucker in the crowd. Then he gives him an older over the shoulder power bomb pile driver thing, and then he just fucking moonsaults him and kills him. My God, that just 
Uh, Spike Dudley is dead. May he rest in peace. Uh, I, I like a good David versus Goliath matchup anyway, but I think this is one of the better ones. And I mean, it was basically a squash. I mean, Spike barely got any offense in. But look, I wouldn't hate it if Bam Bam just beat the shit out of Spike Dudley <laughs> every week for five minutes. I'd be all in on that. So uh, make it happen, ECW. Three stars, Jenny. <laughs> Three stars. I love it. <laughs> I did the two, but uh, I love Spike's just energy. Like, he was super lit coming in there, too. Like, I beat this guy one time. I'm going to do it again. Oh, no. No, sir. Air not. And and before he, like, pressed him, like, he just picked him up by the overalls. Like, <laughs> and then just lifted him over his head, threw him into it. It was, it was, it was awesome. Super, man, Bigelow looks awesome he looks great can't wait to see more poor spike <laughs> <laughs> all right joey says sandman saved icp earlier despite his back injury that kept him out of action we see clips of sandman coming out but he catches a chair from sabu and they go wiped out by sabu and rvd with a vicious assault and sandman was taken by ambulance out of the building oh shit back to the ring we go as rob van dam takes on al snow Joey tells us his match is to be contested under Monday Night Wrestling rules. Uh, the, the announcer kind of butchers the name of, of the type of match, but uh, Joey Joey corrects us here. RVD has to have airbrushed all of his tights. Snow looks confused and kind of weird. Joey shits on the riff, calling him Leaf Cassidy, stuck him in Marginetti's tights. He puts over his legit background and resume. Joey says Florida is Fonzie's hometown. He's worked here for years with Eddie Graham, and the fans hate him. RVD's eating up all of this. Snow stalks Fonzie outside, slides back in. RVD goes right at him. He gets a mat work and counters into a flurry of kicks from Van Dam. Snow comes rumbling back with a wheelbarrow slam. Snow eats a boot on a charge. RVD comes in with a monkey flip. It goes to the middle rope to gloat, but Snow drop kicks him to the floor, meets him with a pescado. Snow slams RVD on the floor and smacks him with an uppercut and walks to the back, but uh, reappears with a hard charge into a brutal clothesline against the apron. Snow shoots RVD to the railing. We head back inside where RVD counters an atomic drop with a thrust. Snow bails out, but dodges a baseball slide and mows RVD down with a clothesline. Snow runs into a boot. RVD smacks him with a moonsault off the rail. The crowd is pretty into it. Definitely a smaller vibe here. Not, again, not close to the arena in loud, loudness or insanity. RVD heads in and flies back out with a somersault plancha. Back inside, RVD gets crouched up top, and Snow follows and gets a great top rope superplex for two. Snow loads RVD on top again, but this time RVD blocks and shoves him off, comes into him with a sidekick. RVD gets a standing moonsault press and then heads up top and nails a perfect frog splash for two. Snow counters with a Rana in a flap, uh, counters Rana with a flapjack, hits a standing moonsault for the snow plow for two. RVD goes up top, Snow drop kicks him to the floor into an open chair. Snow follows out, levels him with five chair shots. He tries another big clothesline, but RVD bashes him with the chair when he gets close. RVD crotches Snow in the railing. Fonzie holds the chair, and RVD hits a Van Daminator off the railing. Fonzie celebrates in the ring as RVD pitches Snow back in. Joey can't believe Fonzie was ref of the year in the early 80s. RVD leg drops a chair on Snow's face for a close two. They trade punches, but Snow counters Arana with a DDT. RVD then hits another Van Daminator and picks up the win. I know it's a pretty great little match. Uh, Snow really showed out in his re-debut. They had a good hard-fought battle filled with hard offense and good near falls. RVD continues to crush it, proves himself to be elite. A nice pay-per-view showcase. The finish is a little anticlimactic, but the match was good enough that it didn't matter. Uh, we'll see if Snow sticks around. You know, Again, he's under dirt of contract, but with this little working relationship, maybe a spot for him for a bit. RVD continues to crush it. Uh, I went three and a half, Jenny. Three and a half. So... 
<laughs> I don't know. I I was really not that high on it. Um, I, I just I don't really care that much about Al Snow at this point. Um, and it it's fine. I mean, it's fine. I really liked when he just walked off like up the ramp and then just fucking ran down the ramp and clothesline the shit of RVD. Like that was. I like that. That was great. So they did. It's a fun match. It's just, it just feels just, just organized. Like it's not part of what we're doing here. And, um, there's like I said before, a lot of guys in suits around, like, I don't know if something happens with the crowd here. It just feels like there's a lot of stuff happening and I get really distracted. Um, and they're not, it's not interesting enough. I don't know. I I just definitely felt like it it was missing something. Maybe I want to see something a little best a little less chair based because there was so much chair in it, and I'm like these guys don't need that. I don't know. It bugged me. I did two and three quarter stars, Matt. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, Jenny. I, I, this was definitely missing something for me. I I, I thought it was fine. And I, I know they were kind of billing this as like a, a Monday night rules match. And it's part of the uh, the, uh, you know, whole ECW versus WWF thing. But given what RVD has been doing over the past couple of months, this does kind of feel like a downgrade for him. But it, at the same time, it's like, uh, who else would they put him in there with? You know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you got they're in a he's kind of in a rough spot because like Sandman's hurt. You got all these guys hurt and everybody else is busy. So it's like, who else would they put them in him in there with? So I almost wonder if that's why they did this thing, just to give RVD a match on the pay-per-view, sort of like what they did at Barely Legal with yeah. Lance Storm. And I, I feel like RVD at this point is kind of above just having one of these type of matches on pay-per-view. Like, I f- he needs to be doing something more than this, I think. So, I mean, it, it was a technically fine match, but, yeah. And uh, also the fact that I'm not the biggest fan of Al Snow <laughs> certainly uh, doesn't help my rating either. So, I actually went lower than Jenny. I went two and a half. I, I thought it was just uh, basically a fine. Nothing bad, but just fairly standard well, stuff. Yeah, I really here. liked it. I, I thought it was good. Um, I mean, we'll see if snow grows on us, but yeah, it's, they've had a lot of time Mm -hmm. to really plan something. Mm -hmm. And I know they wanted to do dreamer and Lawler solo, Mm -hmm. but it feels like RVD and Sabu has been so embroiled in that. Right. And now Sabu is in this other match and even his match with Sandman didn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know what else they could have done. I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird spot. It is weird. I mean, we didn't really get the six man a heat wave. Like you could have mm-hmm. ran that back and made right. that be the blow off, right? Mm-hmm. You could you could have done RVD Sabu and I guess Sabu's in the title picture now, but whatever. RVD he's worked double duty before. RVD Sabu yeah. and Lawler right. versus right. you know Dreamer, you know Sandman before he got hurt, right? Taz, if you want to stick him there instead of Candy, like there's things you could do. Mm-hmm. It just ends up feeling like RVD gets is the is the odd man out. Yeah. Maybe put them in the main event. Yeah. Just to have right. it be a four-way. And, right. like, they're both in there. They work together the whole time, you know? Mm. You could do that. Or we could go back to RVD Taz. Like, we haven't had that in a while, and that was kind of hot before. But, anyway. Or Joey's in, Give I mean, shit to do. Yeah, that too. I mean, an RVD showcase isn't the worst mm-hmm. thing, because, like, that's his gimmick right now, right? He's showing off for, like, the right. Monday night contract. So, I guess, but... 
Joey's in the nest. We have Lance Wright in a helicopter. He's tracking the yeah. Sandman's ambulance down the highway. Uh, we get a very confusing update about where Sandman is. Apparently, he's heading the wrong direction, uh, but we'll, we're going to track him. Joey clarifies now that the Sandman has hijacked the ambulance, which makes things more clear. Lance Wright does not clarify that. He just says the ambulance <laughs> is headed the wrong way. Once we find out that Sandman's driving, it's it's more obvious why they're going misdirected. But uh, Lawler's backstage. He said he just talked to Vince McMahon and said it's the lowest day of his career, but Vince says he's got a lot of guts to go to the show alone. King says he's not alone. All of the WF stars are with him in spirit. Just last night, The Undertaker said he'd love to see Dreamer rest in peace and finish him with a pile driver. Bret Hart called and said he'd appreciate it if Lawler beat Dreamer with a sharpshooter. And Austin called and gave King permission to open a big can of whoop-ass, and he's going to do it. This is just, like, it's gratuitous, but it's pretty funny. It's obviously, yeah. none of these guys care about yeah. the king. <laughs> right, right. I was dying. I was yeah. like, it was pretty this funny. motherfucker. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, Shawn Michaels told me to super kick the competition. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Real, I used to work at Marvel vibes. <laughs> the Dudleys, Joel Gertner, and Jenna Jameson are in the ring. What? <laughs> movie star Jenna Jameson. Gertner does a visual stick and introduces the adult-oriented superstar of film and motion picture to the crowd. He calls himself Studley Dudley and says Jenna will be screaming that name later. He then says, this might have been the line of the night, your referee is bald. <laughs> <laughs> While thoroughly introduced to the rest of the family, he says they're now officially three-time tag team champions uh, since the gangsters did not show up after all that build. The Dudleys are back with the belts. Right. Uh, I thought Gurner was great here for the big night. I thought he really uh, came with the A material. Uh, Jenna Jameson with them, of all people, is pretty funny, too. So, um, I don't know. Real quick thoughts, Jenny, in the pre-match. <laughs> I like I like Joel a lot. And uh, I like Joey going, say what? What do you Jenna Jameson? <laughs> that was so fucking random and already most 90s award. Uh, Joel Gertner also calling himself uh, squeeze my lemon till the juice runs juice down my leg oh, God. Uh, made me extremely uncomfortable. And uh, the other thing he said that killed me was he called uh, Big Dick Dudley phallic and metallic. <laughs> uh, yes, Joel Gertner on fire at Hardcore Heaven. After all that, though, your referee is bald still broke me. That was oh, so good. <laughs> Came out of nowhere. <laughs> All right, and that was our Tag Team Championship match as PG-13 are here right. uh, on behalf of USWA, the Tag Team Champions, so they're kind of tying it into that feud a little bit. Uh, takes a dig of Lawler as part of it. JC Ice says, Mama Dudley must be a hope. He calls Bubba <laughs> a fat boy and says, Big Dick is a big dick. And then Joel Gertner looks like Elvis right before he died. <laughs> <That was ugly. laughs> uh, pretty funny clapbacks, I thought. Oh, great. Uh, JC then tells Jetta he's at the Days in. so there you go. <laughs> PG-13 takes turns working Devon to start, mixing in some double teams and strikes with an easy flow. Devon breaks free, and we reset with a crisscross. JC slides out of the ring and kisses Jenna. PG-13 to celebrate to a pop. The Dullies are all off kilter here. Bubba and Wolfie reset with Wolfie sticking and moving to continue control. He gets a Rana and a Floria jabs to take Bubba down. Bubba cuts him off and works the arm. The champ starts to run the trickery and double teams to keep Wolfie's arm compromised. Wolfie plays more tricks as he slips free, and Devon works Bubba's arm with his back turned. We get some decent comedy throughout all this. Mm-hmm. Sign guy ties up the ref. The Dudley's cheat behind the uh, behind his back. Devon starts to pick apart JC Ice. The champs work in and out to batter JC, who even gets tripped by Jenna, who the crowd is very into. Bubba slaps JC around as the crowd chants uh, shit at him. JC comes back with a low blow on Bubba and a DDT on JC makes the tag to Wolfie. 
Wolfie comes in hot and cleans house. He gets a powerbomb on Devon for two. Hits a middle rope bulldog on Bubba. The champs bail out, and JC flies over the top of the plancha, but the champs catch him. However, Wolfie follows a somersault plancha and takes them all out. Back inside, the champs finish with a 3D and retain their belts. Uh, again, I, th- I think this is pretty good. The structure was weird because PG-13 were kind of faces, even though they're aligned with the king. The Dudleys are the Dudleys, so they're not changing. Uh, PG-13 showed up well here. They mixed in some comedy with some good selling and a couple of high spots. The Dudleys keep leveling up as a group, uh, really the highest profile for them to date. You know, Jenna Jameson, obviously, I mean, not a Hollywood star, but everyone knows her. Like, her with them is, like, a pretty big deal for them, so, uh, of all of all people to be with. So, I went three stars, Jenny, on this. I thought it was a fine use of it. I thought PG-13 are pretty good. I think they're underrated overall, so I enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, I suppose since we're not going to get, like, a real tag team <laughs> match, that this is fun. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, like you said, it works with the Memphis angle. Um, it's basically a comedy match, which is fine. Um, it's hilarious that she's with them. What the hell is she thinking? <laughs> How is she getting paid for this? Because why would you do this otherwise? Um, Joel's great, you know, and, you know, it. I did two and a half because, like, I don't know, it felt like it just a funny like mid show comedy thing and these are our tag champs though so mm, kind of lacking for me Matt I didn't realize all those Jenna Jameson films were filmed in Dudleyville who knew oh, shit. Uh, so she's their sister I think. oh boy <laughs> well that changes things uh so I went three stars on this too I find PG-13 super entertaining and i Mm -hmm. thought they meshed really well with the dudleys here the the thing i uh really enjoyed about this is that it was much more of a standard tag like because i feel like most of what we've seen out of the dudleys is like the brawling thing so i i kind of enjoyed that they kept this to a relatively standard tag it showed that Mm -hmm. they could do it instead of just being brawlers kind of like what the gangsters are well they cheated through the whole time and you know it was right Right, but they weren't using, like, chairs and cheese yeah. graters and stuff, basically, you know? So it, it showed they're, they're more than just brawlers, that they're not one-dimensional. So I, I think I enjoyed that. And, you know, part of that, too, I think is because PG-13 are pretty good, so I think that helped, too. But, yeah, uh, I enjoyed this. I mean, it's it's a fairly, you know, throwaway tag team title match. But I, I think for a throwaway tag team title match, I thought it was pretty good. So three stars. All right, Lance Wright's back in the extreme chopper. We see the ambulance driving around, and Lance thinks it's lost after making a stop at a gas station for cigarettes and a beverage. <laughs> Lance is worried they're not going to make it back to the arena before the show ends. Where where did Polly get a fucking chopper? <laughs> Stole I'm it. guessing he just probably borrowed it from, like, the police or news oh station or something. Oh, my God. The police going to let this man go up there and just fucking Lance Wright. Right. Lance it might have been, like, a local news station chopper, probably. Lance Wright, of all people, who's terrible at this. Yeah. Like, I mean, it also could have just been stock footage of an ambulance in a you know, helicopter following an ambulance from somewhere. Are you too. telling me that it was fake? Uh, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I gotta rethink everything. <laughs> that really wasn't Sandman, was it? <laughs> he doesn't know how to drive. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> King is in the ring. 
and says many thought he wouldn't show up, but here he is. He says those watching on pay-per-view have more money than brains and invites them to watch a real pay-per-view on September 7th. So <laughs> they have Ground Zero from Louisville. You can see some stars like Bret Hart, The Undertaker, and Steve Austin. Not a bunch of derelicts like here. A pretty good plug, low-key, for the paper. Yeah. <laughs> he says, before he left for the show, all the WF stars came and gave him credit for coming single-handedly, and those are there with spirit. Pretty much runs his comments back from earlier, but any quick thoughts, Jenny? Mm, not really. He looks yeah. good. I, I love the fact that he plugged Ground Zero, and him, him saying the same promo, uh, assuming that the crowd didn't see it before, was also something. Oh, uh, Aldo Montoya told me that... Uh... Well, they, the live crowd probably didn't see it, so... Right, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was also, good. Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> of course. All right, let's go back to the ring as Tommy Dreamer takes on Jerry the King Lawler. Joey makes it clear he's pro ECW and Dreamer in this one. <laughs> Tommy Beulah head to the ring. Joey says Lawler has been USWA champion 27 times. He's also a former NWA and world-class champion. So good hype for King. He's, you know, he, he's a piece of shit, right? But they're trying to legitimize him as well. Mm-hmm. Lawler bails out as Tommy chases him around. King jumps him when they get back in. Tommy blocks a punch with a pan and starts to unload and then knocks him over the top. Tommy brings the heat on the floor. King is already bleeding. Tommy smashes him with a beer, crushes him on the railing, and smacks him with a burger. Tommy starts grabbing weapons from the fans and beating on King. Red hot start. They fight through the crowd, back down the aisle to ringside where Tommy's mauling King. is all out of sorts. He's bleeding heavily. They go back into the fans. Tommy grabs a belt and whips and kick, uh, chokes King with it. Back at ringside, Tommy drags King by the belt and chokes him as they head back inside. King finally gets his feet under him and blocks Tommy on top and slams him to an open chair. King hits him with the chair and then runs him into it. Outside, King shoots the now-bleeding Tommy to the railing, pelts him with chair shots. King crotches Tommy in the railing, slugs him with the belt wrapped on his fist, and then whips and chokes him. King ties Tommy's neck to the bottom buckle with the belt and stomps on him. King drills the pile driver, but Tommy kicks out. King slugs and bites away as he talks some shit to the crowd. King rips Tommy's ECW shirt off and wipes his ass with it. King hammers in the corner, but Tommy bows up, shrugs him off and gets defiant, comes firing back. King pulls down the strap and flops forward in a funny spot. Tommy stands tall. Tommy shoves the ECW shirt in King's mouth. King reaches up and smashes him in the nuts with a double sledge. King starts to punish Tommy's balls. Then DDT's the ref before dragging Tommy to the post. Tommy blocks it and yanks King into the ring post. Tommy shoves King back inside and lines his legs up against the post. But now the lights go out. And when they come back on, Rick Rude is in the ring. He smashes Tommy with a trash can. Rude leaves as Joey says the Titan suits are paying Rude. King covers but only gets two. King stomps the ref again and shoots Tommy in but drops his head. Tommy loads a pile driver, but the lights go out again. And when they come back on, Jake the Snake Roberts is here. What? He clotheslines he Tommy. King is shook. He acts surprised. Of course, him and Jake are still in their never-ending feud, I think, at this point. <laughs> um, actually, I think Jake was dumb, Jody, yeah, but they had been feuding pretty much for a year at that point. Uh, but he turns and DDTs Tommy to a big pop. Jake then hits King with a clothesline because old feuds die hard. Mm. But King falls on Tommy for a two-count. King gets a chair, but Tommy counters and loads the DDT. The lights go out a third time, and this time Sonny is in the ring. She sprays Tommy in the eyes with hairspray. In comes Beulah. She takes Sonny down. We get a cat fight. Lawler breaks it up and loads up Beulah for a pile driver. Tommy comes in with a chair, puts King, uh, but King puts Beulah between them. Beulah mule kicks King, and Tommy grabs King's nuts, DDTs them for the win and the pop. Uh, this is really good. Well done. It was a great fuck fest. Uh, but man, it would have been. Amazing in the ECW arena, like we said earlier, Jenny. Mm-hmm. The heat and less of a split crowd overall would have been like out of their minds when Sonny showed up and Jake showed up. Like it just would have been way more intense. 
Uh, King really went for it in the whole feud and the match. Like, he didn't mail it in. He bled. He got the shit kicked out of him. Uh, Tommy's always good in this role as ECW savior. It led to a good ending of the story. A good surprise is, too, with Jake and Sonny. But in the end, Tommy stands tall. Lawler gets his payback, and he's headed back to WWF. This is it for the feud. Well done uh, all around. And fun to watch, Jenny. I went three and a half. I thought it was a fitting payoff. We've got some twists and turns. And it, it kind of matched the vibe of the feud. Well, initially, I had went two and three quarter. But I think I'm rethinking and listening. And I'm going to do the three. Which still feels pretty generous, but, and it's not, you're right, like, everything's really well done. I thought King was, like, really good, like, shockingly good. Like, him and Tommy are the same sort of wrestler, like, in that showy way, you know? Um, Tommy just kind of in a more dark way, and King in a more outrageous way, but they mesh well together. And I thought they did a really good job. I Honestly, I thought the Jake and Sonny stuff was taking me out of it. I think that was what was dinging it for me. Because what they were doing was good. Like, it was real heated and stuff. But, and then, like, I don't know. Like, I get, like, the Jake thing a little bit. The Sonny thing is kind of dumb. For, I don't know. Like I think they're just going for fun. surprise factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just bringing in F Army guys for, yeah. for King, right? Like, we saw Cornette. You know, we've seen different guys. Like, so I think they were just trying to, you know, bring in names, right? Like name value people. It suddenly kind of made sense because of the ties to Candido. So like that yeah. didn't bother me too much. Jake was random only because right. he hates Lawler. So like yeah. you'd think they would send someone that would be on Lawler's side versus Jake. So that was a weird one. But again, I think all that hits better if it's in the arena. Like I just think it, it plays off much harder. Would, you're right. I probably would like it better if, if they got that real good arena pop. Uh, especially for Sunny because she's on calls uh, a huge ruckus in that room. So I don't know. I just, by the end of it, I was it, all the lights going out and I'm like, fucking hell. I I'm done with that. Uh, just regardless, stop turning the lights off. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to stick with my three. Um, I have mixed feelings, Matt. Yeah, so I I really liked a lot of this. I I went three and a half on this too. Um, I I think Lawler worked his fucking ass off in this match uh, again, and I've been saying it the whole time in his uh, that he's been here in a spot where he really didn't have to. So credit to him again. He's he's a heat maggot uh, magnet, and it's awesome to see. And yeah, it's just great. I loved Lawler ripping Dreamer's ECW shirt off and wiping his ass with it at one point. I thought that was really well done. Uh, I, I do get the interference because there's been so much interference and so mm-hmm. much like lights going out during this entire feud, but it was a little weird to see Jake Roberts be one of the people, right. uh, given the history they have with one another. You know, Jerry Lawler pouring alcohol down Jake's gullet, <laughs> yeah. for one thing, a year prior to this. You know, I mean, at least Jake did hit Lawler, too, so it's kind of yeah. like – so at least that they, they did that, but yes, it's yeah. weird that they didn't have someone more tied to Lawler. And I mean, look, uh, Sonny's probably there anyway with Candido, so you might as well have her show up right here. Right. So, but yeah, I, I think this is exactly what it should have been. Just I expected there to be a lot of uh, chaos and shenanigans and fuckery, and that's you know that's what we got here. So this was an all-out war. Dreamer gets his revenge. Lawler looked pretty good in losing. So yeah, this was a, a good piece of business. And uh, goodbye, Jerry Lawler. You saved ECW <laughs> three and a half. <laughs> 
All right, so that's that. I mean, we still have the RVD component, right? So I think the DODF stuff may still continue a bit, but I think King is his run is done. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Joey's in the nest. They talk about the main event. We get a quick hype package. Back to Lance Wright. He's still tracking Sandman, who looks to finally be arriving at the building. Wright is really not cut out for this kick. He's awkward. He's vague, <laughs> rambling. He's terrible. I don't know what the fuck he's saying. <laughs> Sandman emerges, and he cleans out security with the cane. So Sandman is in the building in time for the main event. Thank God. And that main event is a rehash of The Night the Line Was Crossed. Mm-hmm. Terry Funk and Shane Douglas challenging Sabu for the ECW World Title. Main event time. Been an interesting road to this point, but Sabu is suddenly our champion. Douglas is super hungry for the gold. Funk has been in and out of our lives despite having the gold for the whole summer. Francine leaves Douglas out first. She's all done for tonight. Uh, all done up for tonight. Joey recaps the road ahead as Funk jogs out to a pop. Fran tries to pay off Funk, but he slaps a scratch out of her hand. Sabu and Fonzie stalk out with the title, and we are ready to rock. Douglas and Sabu lock up to start. They have a back and forth as Funk heads to the apron to watch and tells them to fight. Joey reminds us Funk had a buy in the original three-way dance in 1994. We get more stalemate between the two, and Shane is definitely rattled by Funk's mind games. So he goes out, and they brawl on the floor. Sabu joins the fray, and they all brawl there. Sabu and Douglas work together a bit to beat on Funk with strikes and a trash can. They keep working Funk over in the ring, but neither can put him away as Funk keeps kicking out. Douglas dumps Funk outside, and he and Sabu follow out and keep double teaming. Sabu and Douglas are relentless in battering Funk, unloading their arsenal some more and partnering to double team. The champ hits a pair of air Sabus. Douglas finally turns on him with a rough chair shot. Sabu comes back with a released German and all three guys are now hurting. Sabu knocks Douglas outside and flies into him with a triple jump plancha, but also bangs into the bleacher seats. Funk throws a chair down to Sabu, but Sabu comes in with a springboard body press for two. Sabu knocks Funk outside and meets him with an acai moonsault. Fonzie rants as Funk chops back at Sabu. Back inside, Douglas plants the champ with a corkscrew vertical suplex for two. Before Funk returns, they all start to fight. Funk and Douglas work together. Now they put Sabu through two chairs with a hangman neckbreaker back suplex combo. Sabu recovers, gets a chair, and smashes both guys with it. Douglas dropkicks Funk's knee, gets to work until Sabu wipes him out. Funk hits a neckbreaker on Shane, and both guys cover for two. Funk recovers with an ugly pile driver on Sabu for two. Douglas grabs the guardrail and pitches it in the ring. Funk rattles Shane with headbutts as Sabu sets the railing up. Funk shoots Shane into it for two. Sabu leg drops the railing on both guys, but both kick out. All three start throwing strikes and trading quick control until Shane gets the belly to belly on both guys. Douglas grabs a sleeper on Sabu, and Funk hooks one on Shane. That's the callback we all needed, but the crowd doesn't really appreciate it. But it's a cool moment. This is the exact spot from the night the line was crossed. Mm-hmm. Sabu gets a triple jump moonsault off a chair onto Douglas for two. Sabu misses a moonsault onto Funk, who starts to hammer on Douglas. Sabu gets a triple jump moonsault on both for two. The crowd seems to be backing Shane here late in the match. Sabu works Funk with a chair, sets up a table that Fonzie shoved in the ring. Funk pulls Douglas off the table, so Sabu mashes him with a chair, puts him on it instead. Sabu heads up top as Fonzie holds Funk. Gordon shows up and wipes out Fonzie as Sabu wobbles on the top rope. Douglas puts Gordon on the table. Funk puts Fonzie on it as well, and Sabu leaps off a chair on the top rope, puts both guys through the table with a leg drop. Fonzie and Gordon get cleared out as all three continue to throw chops and punches. Sabu brings a ladder in the ring and pelts both guys and nails the ref. Out comes Sandman. He's all over Sabu, smashing him with a ladder, hits him with a slingshot senton, but Douglas only gets two on the cover. Security comes out and clears out Sandman as Funk and Douglas cover Sabu, and he is eliminated, guaranteeing us a new world champion and giving us our original match. 
Sabu hits a great triple jump plancha into all of the cops and Sandman to a big pop in an awesome spot. They all brawl to the back as Funk stalks Francine. Douglas comes over and hits Funk with a table shard. Funk comes back with trash can shots and then bangs it off his own head. The whole locker room empties into the aisle because they're going to watch the end of the match. Funk and Douglas reset with a slugfest. Douglas gets two on a belly-to-belly. But Francine comes in and slaps Funk, which brings out Dory Funk. Dory Funk, of all people, I guess, in Florida. Uh, kind of a draw there. Oh, boy. He's working over Shane to a pop. And Terry gets a super close near fall on a roll-up. Shane kicks through a spinning toe hold and gets a back suplex for two. And then he bulldogs Funk off uh, off the apron through a table. Back inside, Funk kicks out uh, of two more belly-to-bellies and then counters a third attempt into a small package. Shane pops up and hits a fourth belly-to-belly for the win and the ECW title. The crowd was kind of quiet down the stretch there after Dory showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good match. Though. I thought it de- delivered on the hype. Uh, I thought it was worthy of closing the big pay-per-view. The pacing was good. Everything was believable. Sabu looked awesome. Uh, he was taken out in a good way, too. It protects him. Gets us back to our original match. So you pay that off a little bit with Sandman and, and Douglas. Uh, all three men really went out all out. The end decision was the right one. I think Douglas becoming the kingpin of ECW makes sense now at this point. You know, we had kind of the funk no-show. Sabu's better with RVD, not with the belt. So I think Douglas cashes in on his master plan, right, of giving up the TV title and going after the world title. Uh, so that pays off. I think Funk was the fine choice of Barely Legal, but time's up. Uh, they really need to focus on other areas, steadily driving the promotion. Uh, good on him to show up and, and pass the torch, right? He could have just bailed out after he lost the belt. Uh, good job feeling special, just like the original. We'll see where they go with Douglas on top. Uh, we do have some post-match we'll talk about in a minute, but let's talk about the match itself, Matt. I went three and three quarters. So uh, for me, this is kind of a tale of two halves, I I guess I'll call it. Mm -hmm. I I thought when all three guys were in this match, I thought this was great stuff, like Mm -hmm. fantastic. Like they were reaching like all time classic level stuff. But I think once they eliminated Sabu, the match kind of fell off a cliff. Not not necessarily off a cliff, but it wasn't nearly as good as it was with all three guys in it. Like, I, I thought there was a level of sloppiness between Shane and Funk that, like, it, it was super sloppy. Like, you, you know, Shane at one point hit that slop-ass back suplex, mm-hmm. and uh, the crash through the table at ringside was real rough. Uh, definitely better when three guys were in it. But I do think, uh, for the most part, it was really good. And I mean, they were going for the for an epic and they mostly succeeded, but it did kind of make me wonder what just a straight up uh, funk versus Shane match would have looked mm-hmm. like. So uh, uh, thank you, Sabu. <laughs> I think I speak for us. Uh, Dory Funk coming out out of nowhere uh, and just throwing a couple of European uppercuts uh, uh, certainly was quite a choice. But yeah, that that was my main sticking point was that like. I think this is one of those rare cases where the elimination style of all their multi-man title matches kind of bit him in the ass. Like, had this just ended right. with them pinning Sabu, I think this would have been like for me probably four stars plus. Like, I like this match this much when three that much when these three guys were in. But as is, uh, I went three and a half on it. And uh, uh, good on Shane. It's t- it was long time uh, coming for Shane to win the title. So uh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what, what happens. I mean, he that. hasn't he hasn't had it since. When did he lose it, Jenny? In uh, oh boy, uh, was it ninety four? Again, well, he leaves in ninety five. Yeah. Early ninety five. Did he lose? Who the hell, uh, Who did he lose it to? It was Mike? He right? lost it to Sandman. A uh, Sandman, rather. Yep. 
I think it was Sam and he lost it too. I think it was like early '95, so it's right. been a while. It's been like so. almost two and a half years since he had yeah. it. Yeah, and it's especially. Especially with, you know, the, the triple threat being stable, mm-hmm. you know, and having uh, guys right. that are seemingly going to stick around. It makes perfect sense to put the title on him now. So I, I'm super happy that you brought up your point, Matt, because that's what that's exactly how my notes read. It's like, you know, praise for all the beginning parts of the match. I thought all three of them worked really well together. Um, it was losing something for me outside of the arena again. Like that's just gonna happen. It's just happening <laughs> in this whole show. Um, and then all the people around is also very distracting. But um, the Sandman part loved Sabu taking out him and all the security loved. And the trash can he batters Shane with his trash can batters his own self with the trash can. And then Dory Funk comes in, and then my next note says, fuck this match. Like, it just goes away. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, maybe it's Dory. I don't know what it is. But after Sabu left, it was just done. And for me, it just took me completely out of it. I do like the post-match stuff that we're going to talk about. But I don't know. I went three stars. Maybe it's a little too low. But it just, everything just fell off. And it was for no reason. Like, I don't get it. And I assumed Shane was going to win this. So him winning makes perfect sense to me. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's the right call to put him back on top. I don't I don't see any other way, really, at the moment. Um, because I just think RVD and Sabu are so good, they don't need it. Like, yeah. they're just in their own thing. Mm-hmm. And I think Shane now peacocking with the belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he last held it. So he had won it March 26-94 at Ultimate Jeopardy and he held it to April 15th, 95 he lost to Sandman, so mm-hmm. had it for a year, but it's been over two since he's last had it, so that was time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alright, after the match, Shane whips Funk with the belt, he's celebrating with Francine, the cha- uh, fans are chanting bullshit, stupid crap. Dudley's <laughs> and Gertner get in the ring, and Joel says before he was attached to the Dudley's, he was the personal ring announcer for Shane Douglas and he hypes him up. The Dudley's beat on Funk and Gertner tells him to dump Bigelow and Candido and hook up with the Dudley's, become the triple crown. Bigelow and Candido come out. They brawl at the Dudley's and Douglas stays with his boys. The rest of the locker room come out. We get a big brawl. Triple threat leave and everyone else just keeps fighting. The Dudley's clear the ring, but Axel and Balls come out and beat them with chairs to save Funk. Dick smashes Balls and then Axel eats a cutter. Funk keeps fighting back. And uh, Natural One Killers finally fires up, and out comes New Jack and Cronus to a big pop. They destroy the Dudleys with a chaotic brawl and hell from Axel and Balls, and even Saturn. He uses his crutch on Dick. Saturn hits a top rope elbow on Bubba, just a complete animal. Because, of course, he does. Uh, Gertner's laid out from a gross New Jack chair shot, a Cronus 450, and Funk, Cronus, Jack, Balls, and Axel leave through the crowd and celebrate with the fans as Joey wraps up. I thought the post-match actually felt a little extra in force. I think they could have saved it for TV, but the crowd loved it. So fine. They go home happy. It's just weird that Douglas wins the title and we end with like a bunch of tag team guys. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A weird night. It was, just, <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it would have been better if Sandman came out at the end and like stood tall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just it seemed like they lost the thread to this pay-per-view a couple weeks before. Yep. It almost would have been better if this was where Heat Wave was. I think it would have been hotter then. I think I think that extra couple of weeks after Heat Wave kind of cooled off for some reason. And then they just lost lost the pacing. And again, I think Fall Lauderdale was a mistake. I, I think the crowd was not very good. Um, I didn't care for it at all. Like 
I, I thought you put this in the arena and I think we're all higher on every match. I like, think yeah. So too. yeah, for I sure. Agree. Um, maybe we're just like Ben, we're too used to those crowds now. So yeah, what's wrong nuts, with this? But, uh, <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's just would have been different, different level of engagement in the arena or yeah. in, like we said, Queens or something, but uh, Matt, any quick thoughts on the post-match? Yeah, I, I mean, it was good as a segment, but it's a weird fucking way to end a pay-per-view. <laughs> like, I, I guess it was done to send the crowd home happy, but... But just do it off-air and, right. and show it on right. TV. Yeah, there, there's... It's, it's just super weird. Just a weird way to end the show. Right. What a weird way to end the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, to me, it's the perfect way to end the show because the whole thing was fucking weird. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, seems right to me, so, sadly. I don't know. All right. So, that does it. Uh, let's get to our awards. Uh, for best match, I had the main event. Mm. Ooh. Um, mm. I think I have one more. I think I'm going to go Dreamer Lawler. Candido Taz. Okay. Uh, worst match, I went Dudley and Bigelow. Mm. How dare you? I know, I know. <laughs> Grade wise, that's just the lowest. I will squash. go. I will uh, go. RVDL Snow. I think I did the Dudley Boys match. But that tells you the show like isn't bad. Yeah. Like all that stuff is solid. Like my lowest grade's two and a half. You know, right. so, so it's right. still like a pretty good show. It just didn't yeah, have that yeah. top high level stuff mm. you want mm. to really hit. Um. Best moment, I went with a tie between Bigelow throwing Spike in the crowd and the Sabu plancha was awesome into the crops. Yes, the yeah. Sabu move. Uh, I will go with uh, Bam Bam murdering Spike. <laughs> uh, most 90s, I went with Rick Rude jumping ship, Insane Clown Posse, and Jenna Jameson. Jenna Jameson. Yeah. Yep, uh, Jenna Jameson and also uh, Sonny looking like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, stock rising. I went Taz, Candido, Bigelow, RVD, Sabu, Dreamer. I know you guys didn't like Snow, but I thought he showed up well, so I went Snow as well. Did you say Shane? Because I think he has to Shane. be there too. Oh yeah, Douglas too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, stock falling. I had Rude. If this is it for him, ICP who got murdered. Lance Wright, <laughs> the loser of the night. Lance Wright. Yeah. Put, put and the uh. <laughs> and the Fort Lauderdale crowd. Yeah. Put Lance Wright's name twice. <laughs> uh, final grade. I went six and a half out of ten. Again, it's like there's still a lot of good stuff here. It's a very good show. I just I think our expectations are so high um, for ECW in general. And then layer in how amazing the Lawler Dreamer feud was. It makes you wonder if they should have went all in and done like an invasion type of card. Mm. where they bring in multiple WF people and have matches up and down the card. Like Lawler's like, I'm not coming alone. I'm bringing my friends mm. and mm. so-and-so fights Taz. So-and-so fights RVD, right? You know what I mean? Like whatever. And kind of do like a, the undercard up until the main event is all like into promotional matches. You could have, you could have found a tag team to bring in against the Dudley. You know what I mean? Like, like you, yeah. you could mm-hmm. dig up some guys off that roster and bring them in here and just have like a card of, WF versus ECW matches capped by Lawler versus Dreamer and the main event. Mm. It's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And put it in the arena, not here. Yes. Oh, yes God, please. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I did six out of ten. Uh, I just, I don't know. I felt weird after and 
it just it just hit me wrong. Uh, so I did the uh, the six and a half out of ten. It's a super consistent show, mm-hmm. but it also didn't have a peak as high as Barely Legal. But right. like it also didn't have a low as low as Barely Legal either with Shane and Pitbull. So th- that's I think that's the biggest strength of this show is that it's very consistent. So six and I went uh, six and a half out of ten. And nothing overstated its welcome. Like like that Douglas Pitbull twenty minute death march like nothing right. was like that nothing was the, the longest match i don't have it from you i i think it was dreamer lawler and that was good so um and then the main event was good so it's I, I think at the end of the day we're at least coming out of the paper you're in a pretty good place right like jenny remember after Billy legal you were a little shaky on where we're headed but this feels like at least like all right douglas is champion makes sense the triple threat's really hot rvd and sabu are hot um you know, where's Dreamer going to move on to? Is Sandman going to get involved in something now, too? Like, we got that going on. Um, you know, is Rude still around? Like, we got some good questions, right? So, yeah. You know, Funk is probably done. Like, I think we know that. Yep. I, I just hope that they can work out some of their pacing issues mm. um, going all the way to November so, right. to that show. Um, well, the because, good thing is that's always been a big show for them. So, it feels like right. they kind of... Should Maybe be you're used okay. To that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see. The really? one thing, the one thing I'll say too, just quick, is you know Jerry Lawler gave this company a shot in the arm that it needed, and we we've complained complained about how kind of the rest of the feuds have been a little lacking, really, and that Jerry Lawler's the feud with Lawler and the WWF ECW stuff has kind of been carrying it. Uh, is everybody else going to step up? <laughs> uh, I hope so. Because that losing Lawler presumably is a huge loss at the top of the card. So hopefully everybody's able to uh, step up. All right. We'll be back in two weeks. We will chronicle that fallout from this show. We'll see how we start to march toward November to remember. Be sure to check out everything that the North-South Connection has to offer. We are very appreciative of you of listening and downloading and sharing. We have content coming every day, both uh, classic wrestling, current wrestling, uh, pop culture with the Jenny position uh, every Wednesday. So really appreciate all of it. Uh, for Jenny and Matt, I'm JT. Stay extreme. We'll talk to you in two weeks. You